Now, I thought it would be appropriate because of this service today to base my sermon on the topic of Christian leadership. I'm going to invite you, if you will, to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. As you turn to Mark chapter 10, I cannot emphasize or I cannot stress enough, and I really, I mean this with sincerity, I cannot stress, oh, sorry, I apologize. I cannot stress enough the importance of leadership. Do you know why they pay CEOs so much money? I want you to think about this for a moment. When you look at the salaries of men like Jeff Bezos, or you look at the salaries of people like Steve Ballmer or Bill Gates in the past, not so much now, but when you look at their salaries, it is incredible how much these men get compensated. And people often wonder, oh, you know, that's not fair. You know, they, they probably don't do much. What we don't realize is that companies rise and fall based on their leadership. Does that make sense? And so in some ways in the world, they understand that leadership is a critical component of an organization's effectiveness. But did you know that Jesus understood this as well? Uh, please look with me at Mark chapter 10. I want to invite you to start with me at verse 42. And Jesus speaks very plainly to his disciples because at this point there was some unrest. There was some arguing, fighting, and we'll see why in my third point. But they all wanted to have a position in God's new kingdom. And Jesus needed to set the record straight. So this is what he said to them in verse 42. But Jesus called them to him and said unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule... I'm sorry, let me, let me, let me read this again. Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But in verse 43, Jesus said, But so shall it not be among you. Now, did you notice that in, in verse 42, Jesus very plainly states how secular, worldly leadership works. Did you notice that? He said, you know, among the Gentiles, the ones that have authority, they rule. They, they exercise their authority on you. And then in verse 43, Jesus says very plainly, it will not be this way among you. And that's the first point that I want to make in my message today. Point number one is this. Christian leadership is different from worldly leadership. Does that make sense? Jesus is making this very simple but profound point that the way that the world does leadership is different than the way that God does leadership. Now, something that you may not know about me, in college, I did not enter college as a theology major. I actually entered as a business major. And 
even before I went to college, I was reading um, Warren Bennis. I was reading all these like leadership gurus. For some reason, that fascinated me. And one of the famous, and I mean, when I say famous, this is considered like the required reading list for people that are in positions of leadership. One of those classic books is a book called The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Okay, some of you are smiling under your mask. If Robert Greene's book is considered by many to be the Bible on what it takes to be in power and in a position of leadership. And so I actually have this book in my library, but if you were to read it, you would be shocked at the things that it says. I'm going to read to you Law of Power number three by Robert Greene. He says, conceal your intentions. Now, please, I, I, if you're watching this by video, if you're here, you understand that I'm reading to you a secular author's tips on how to be a leader. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm, this is not what I'm teaching, but I want you to understand what they say. He says, conceal your intentions. What does that mean? Don't reveal to people what you're really trying to do, right? And then his law number six is court attention at all costs. In other words, you want people to look at you, okay? And so this is his law number six of power. Law number seven says, get others to do the work for you, but always take the credit. No, th this is in the book, okay? I'm just telling you this is in the book. And some of you have worked for bosses. They read Robert Greene like the Bible, okay? And then law number 14 says, pose as a friend, but work as a spy. In other words, you make them like you. you. You pretend that you're their friend, but in reality, you are digging up the dirt on this person. Point law number 15 is crush your enemy totally. Law number 17, keep others suspended in terror. Cultivate an air of unpredictability. I think we've some of us have had bosses like that. <laughs> number 21, play a sucker to catch a sucker seem dumber than your mark. Now, I, I didn't list all of them, but I, I highlighted these because if you're a Christian, you know right away that these laws of power that Robert Greene describes are diametrically opposed to what it means to be a Christian. Does that make sense? Christians, we can't do this stuff, okay? And I want you to understand something that when the world describes the steps and the techniques techniques and the tactics to become a person of influence and power. By the way, just something that I need to say off the bat, leadership in its most simple defined essence is influence. Does that make sense? That's what leadership is. It's influence. And do you realize that in that quest to get influence, in the quest to become a leader, People will do all kinds of things to try to reach that goal. But make no mistake, what Jesus and the kind of leadership that Jesus calls us to is completely different. And I want to say this especially for Diego and for Gabriel today. The kind of leadership that God is calling you to 
is different. It's not the same thing that what the world is doing. It's different. And I know you guys have other jobs, but I want to be clear. When we're in the church, the way that we lead, the way that we influence is supposed to be different than what the world does. How is it different? Well, let's go back to Mark chapter 10. Let's look at verse 44. Jesus goes on to say, uh, I'm sorry, verse 43. I apologize. We have to read verse 43. Jesus goes on to say, but <clears throat> whosoever will be great among you shall be your what? Your minister. And then in verse 44, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the what? The servant of all. Now, I'm going to say something that may surprise you. I know that many of you look at people like Jeff Bezos, and, you know, I keep mentioning him because he's probably the most famous CEO, but like Elon Musk and some of these other people. I once had dinner with an engineer that worked at Tesla over in Hawthorne, California. I had dinner with him. You know what he said? He said that Elon Musk sleeps at the Tesla factory. He sleeps there. It, and it's not every night, but it's most of the week. And you know, he doesn't stop. You know, most people clock out at five. He doesn't. He's still working all the way through, sometimes late into the night and into the morning. And in the morning, when everybody starts coming back, sometimes he's, you know, just getting up and then he's, you know, starting to go back to work again. I know that we marvel at the wealth that Elon Musk has acquired. Does that make sense? Because we're awed by how wealthy he is. But do you realize that to achieve that, they have literally sacrificed everything else to get to that place? Are you with me? Now, in some way, I think that this carries over into the Christian life. And let me explain why I say this. So I know that I just made the point that the way the world leads is not the same way that Christians lead. But there is this similarity. The higher you go in the world, the greater amount of work that you have. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating political sides here. Do this experiment. Go and look up Obama, a picture of Obama in the year that he was elected, okay? And then look at a picture of Obama after two terms in office. Just go look. He looks like he got hit by a train. And, and I said to myself, look, it's only eight years. I mean, like that, you know, in eight years, you're not going to age that much. But you know what happens to people like that? They are carrying the weight of an entire country on their shoulders. Do you understand that? They've juggled wars. They've juggled potential, you know, uh, attacks on the country. They have juggled, you know, failing economies. They've juggled all of these things. And the weight of that over time takes its toll. I don't know if some of you are aware but when you become a pastor, you become privy to some strange things. I held a meeting in California 
And I had a gentleman that wanted to be baptized. And in the privacy of our pastoral office there, he unfolded some details of his life. And I'm telling you when I say this that my human nature, it, it like, I was repulsed by the things he was telling me. But the reason he told me those things was because he wanted to know if he could be baptized. Rebaptized, actually. And, you know, when I heard that, I'm going to tell you, it affected me. You understand that? It, it, like, it's something that if someone tells you something, you can't erase what you've learned. And to this day, and until I die, I carry that secret to my grave. You understand that? Now, what you don't know is that over that time, I have since learned not hundreds, but many more things like that. And even right now in this church, we have people that are struggling. They are struggling with poverty. You understand that? We have people in this church that have a tumultuous relationship with some member of their family. And I'm privy to that. I'm aware of it. We have people right now that are struggling. Maybe a relationship is on the verge of divorce. And let me tell you, as you in God's work go higher, not higher up, but as you learn more, as your responsibility increases, so does your level of burden because of the service that you are obligated with because of your knowledge. Does that make sense? And so this is why Jesus said, this is why Jesus said that if you want to be great, you will be the servant or the minister of all. Because really, and, and I specify this because of our service today, when you are an elder, part of your job is to draw close to the people that you're ministering to. And as you do, you will learn things, you will become aware of things that will deeply burden you, and you'll carry those things. I don't say this lightly, but here in this church, I've cried with people that lost their loved ones. And here in this church, here in Westchester, I have visited homes that were just destroyed, completely destroyed, whether by natural disaster or by other factors that have come. And I've listened to people as they've described their battles with cancer. What I want you to know, Diego and Gabriel, what I want you to know here is that the more you become obligated in God's work, the more God expects you to carry a burden of service for the people that you work with. Now, come back with me to Mark 10. Look at verse 37. This is really the background of why Jesus said what he said. Well, let me start from verse 36. And he said unto them, what would you that I should do for you? They said unto him, grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand 
and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. Now, I want to tell you that when the disciples, this is James and John. When James and John asked that, the other disciples were very upset. They were not happy. Because you know why? They wanted to sit on the right and the left. Do you understand that? They wanted that position. So now Jesus says to them, you know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? Now, Jesus wasn't talking about a, a literal cup. He wasn't saying, look, do you want to share my water bottle? No. What Jesus was saying was, can you share the same experience that I'm about to have? And then Jesus said, can you be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Baptism, in its sense, is being immersed into an experience. Does that make sense? So what Jesus was saying was, is this what you want? Do you really think that you can experience what I'm going to experience? Can you be immersed in what I'm about to, to be a part of? And do you know what Jesus was about to be immersed in? He was going to die. Do you understand? He was going to be tried in a farce of a trial. He was going to be persecuted. And then ultimately, he was going to be put on the cross. Now, whether you know it or not, leadership comes with a price. And part of that price is suffering. I'm glad we did the ordination service first, okay? <laughs> because now... <laughs> I want you to understand this. When you go through Scripture and you look at all of the leaders that the Bible describes, there is no question that when you become a leader, you become a target. You know what Moses' life was like? By the way, what, what, what could have Moses become if he didn't choose to go with the Israelites? What could he have become? He would have been the prince of Egypt. Do you know that? He would have been the heir apparent to the throne, not apparent, there was some conflict if you read the history of it, but Moses could have been the ruler of Egypt. But no. The Bible says in Hebrews that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Do you know where the affliction came from, though? It came from the people. Those people drove Moses to, to, in, to they got him infuriated. Remember when he hit the rock? Do you know why? Because of the people, they drove him crazy. And let me tell you something. You know, we have a, a, a good-sized congregation here. I've talked with pastors that are they have bigger congregations. Let me tell you something. If you have stress with like a 60, 70-member church, that stress is different when you have 400 members. And it's even more different when you have 1,000 members. Do you understand that? And I got to tell you, when you look at Moses, he had over one million people that he was leading. So do you understand that Moses, do you know, Moses, I, I tried to do a quick survey of what he went through. People tried to get rid of him. You know, they had a coup d'etat. Remember Korah, Dathan, and Abiram? They tried to get rid of him. People were jealous of him. And then he experienced racism. I don't know if you know that. It was from his own sister. Sister was, you know, anyway, we won't get into that. And then he had outright hatred. There was people that just hated Moses. And all of these challenges came. Do you know why? Because he accepted the call to be a leader for God. 
I look at Paul. Now, some of you might disagree. I believe that Paul was the most influential New Testament apostle. Now, some might disagree with that. Whether or not that's true, this point is for sure. Paul's sufferings were directly related to the leadership role that he took in the New Testament church. Did you ever see his resume for suffering? It's quite impressive. He was stoned twice. You know, you're only supposed to be stoned once, then you're dead. He got stoned twice. He got shipwrecked. He was beaten. And not only that, but there were times when he escaped, like he barely got over the wall. And then like, you know, they were like, you know, just about to get him. Like Paul literally suffered so much. And you know why? It's because he accepted the call to be a leader for God. I'm going to use one more example. I like the story of Elijah. Elijah faced loneliness, death threats. He was ridiculed, and he had outright false accusations. I could give more examples, but this is the common point that I'm trying to underscore. When you accept a role as a leader in God's church, you are signing up to experience the same cup that Jesus drank from and to be baptized with the same baptism that Jesus was baptized with. Make no mistake, leadership comes with a price. But God can help us to be faithful. Now, I know that some of you are thinking that this sermon was just for Diego and for Gabriel, but the truth is if you are a parent, you're a leader. Do you understand that? If you're a spouse, you're a leader. If you're a mother, you're a leader. And so today, I'm asking each of us to be faithful to the calling that God has called us to, to be a servant leader in Christ.